0: I want to welcome you to this gathering of the resistance against the dark power, the resistance against the evil one that has occupied this world for too long. We're gathered here to encourage one another as we wait for the rightful king to come and make that victory real. And we've borrowed a lot from C.S. Lewis, who's given us this quote from his book, Mere Christianity. He said, enemy occupied territory, that's what this world is. And Christianity then is the story of how the rightful king has landed, how he's arrived on our shores, and he's calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. This, I appreciate the feedback on this quote too. Many of you have said, I've never thought of it that way before. And it is very easy for us not to see the world in these terms because we live in a place of relative comfort. We live in a place where we can become relaxed and where we can become uh, lackadaisical, not realizing that we still live in enemy occupied territory. This gives us a view of our discipleship, of our life for Christ, as if we're patriots for God's kingdom. And so we view the world differently. We're not collaborators. We haven't made peace with the powers that be. But we're the resistance against a dark power who doesn't deserve to rule. There's a line that follows this one in Lewis's book. And in that line, he goes one step further. He's explained how things are in this world, a different view of, a different perspective on the world and on Christianity. And then he brings it home and he explains how Something as mundane as going to church Is very different He says when you go to church You are really Listening in to the secret wireless From our friends That's why the enemy is so anxious To prevent us from going He does it by playing on our conceit And laziness And intellectual snobbery Lewis has something to say About the seemingly simple habit Of going to worship and, and by the way, when he's talking about the secret wireless, you may think he's talking about a Wi-Fi connection that nobody's listed. Lewis, Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, comes out of a, a series of radio lectures that he gave in World War II. And the objective was to reinforce Christian belief in Britain during the time of the conflict. So the image of the secret wireless, which is a radio, speaks to those who were familiar with wireless or radio in the 1930s and 1940s. And the, the role that radio played in that time period, it's, it's pretty fascinating. It was used to broadcast propaganda throughout the, the world. Uh, they had the ability now to do this like never before. Some of that was done in World War I. And so in World War II, the Germans were very cautious about this, and they didn't want that propaganda getting to their people. Propaganda is used both, they call it black propaganda, which is misinformation, and white propaganda, which is information delivered to those who are wanting to hear the truth but can't hear the truth. And the whole point of it is to boost morale or to destroy morale. It's a psychological operation. And of course, the wireless could also be used to communicate with those who were in secret, those who were the resistance. It could give them orders and information. This picture on on the screen of the radio is what was called the People's Radio in Germany. It was a radio that was the only radio you could obtain in Germany before World War II. Because Hitler's government had learned that there's dangerous information that comes from picking up those broadcasts from outside Europe and from Britain. And so this radio had a single dial that that could only be adjusted to the select frequencies and it could not pick up the shortwave transmissions from far away. I think that illustrates something. I think that may be what Lewis is giving us the, the, the image about when he says that going to church is listening into the secret wireless. He says the enemy is anxious. Don't you know that our enemy is anxious when we turn to God? This, this tag, by the way, this orange tag, was a tag that was put on every German people's radio. And what it says in German is. Think about this. Listening to foreign broadcasts is a crime against the national security of our people. It is an order from the Fuhrer punishable by prison and hard labor. Historians say that later on during the war, they even upped the crime. Listening to a foreign broadcast could be punishable by death. That's quite a bit of anxiety just by listening to the radio. But don't you know that what we're doing here this morning, gathering together in worship, listening in on the truth, that this is, a, this is a crime punishable by death in some countries even today. That throughout the history of God's people, there are times when gathering together in His name was something you, you were risking great harm and persecution. It's happened in the past. It's happening now throughout the world. And it could happen again. But even if we don't feel the political persecution, the enemy, the devil, is very anxious about your presence here. He is very anxious about you being inspired in some way to do more in the name of God. He is anxious about you being encouraged when he wants to have his grip on you and he wants you to see the world his way. Because when we come together, we listen in to our friends. What friends would that be? Well, the resistance groups that would gather together would listen in to their allies. They knew that they were trapped in enemy-occupied territory, but the forces of, of, on their side, the forces who were seeking to liberate that territory were out there broadcasting the truth. Our friend, our friend's, is the heavenly army of the righteous king the heavenly army of the one who should be ruling not the dark power do we understand that this world is not as it's supposed to be and the order of this world is not as God intended but he is breaking through he's breaking through the dominion of evil he's breaking through the destruction and the distortion of sin and the message comes to us When you gather here today, we not only fellowship with one another and encourage one another, but we fellowship with God. We fellowship with the King, with the rightful King, Jesus Christ. We fellowship with all of the angels in heaven. When we're singing in worship, we're joined by angelic choruses who sing the praises that we sing don't ask me how that works or how that happens i just know that when all of heaven is 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 praising god we ought to be too and when we're praising god creation comes in creation knows how to do this i want to appreciate i appreciate those who uh, preached the last two weeks so we could enjoy some time of vacation we had our worship on the lord's day there in the, with our family and my sister's family, and uh, we just became a, you know, kind of a, a one-week Church of Christ right there in, uh, on Dolphin Island off the Alabama shore. And so there was one morning as Karen and I are out there, and, and we're praying together, and this crow shows up, or a bird. I don't know what he is. He's big, he's, he's big dark-colored bird. Somebody, you can identify it later, later for me, Sandy. I don't know. But I, I know that it was a bird. It was a bird. And so we're trying to pray, and the bird shows up, and he's just like, brr, you know. We're trying to pray, and he's like, Brak, you know. And instead of getting mad at the bird, I thought, he's joining us in prayer. He's joining Because when I read the psalmist, they say that the psalmist says over and over again that creation knows how to praise its creator. And so when you and I come together, we are in communion with a creation that knows how to praise its creator and a universe that understands the creator. And you and I are really the ones who are in training and we're learning. Well, you know, I don't know if we lead the chorus or not, but we, we need to join in. And part of that communion and that, that radio transmission from heaven that we pick up, that secret wireless, is that we're listening in to a dangerous truth that the enemy does not want us to hear. A dangerous reality about who we are and how much God loves us. Wow, this is all good. It's historical, Benjamin. Uh, Yeah, that's fine, but is it biblical? I think so. John 18, verse 37, says here is Jesus speaking to the representative of the highest power on earth in his day, Pilate, speaking to the political power of that governor. And he says, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. When you and I come to worship, when you and I go to church, as inexact and inaccurate as that phrase is, but you know what I mean, we're choosing a side we're making a decision we're pledging our allegiance we're listening into the truth we've made a commitment when we assemble like this and some in the world understand that maybe a little better than we do it all the time but it's nonetheless true for us and in fact this does have to do with worship because in john 4 the word truth comes up again Jesus is explaining to a Samaritan woman what, what genuine worship looks like. He says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I'm gonna I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess something to you. I've been studying this scripture for a long time. I, I mean a long time. I don't mean this week. I'm talking about like a couple of decades. And I still don't have a... Full handle on what that spirit and truth thing means and every time we try to reduce it down that well spirit means we ought to do it with love and truth means we need to do it according to the way he said okay but there's more to it than that that's true but then there's more it's so big it's like a living thing where there's there's so much more to it what it represents is so much larger truth against the dark lie that infects this world spirit against a spirit of of death against a spirit of hopelessness. And there's so much packed in to those simple words in spirit and in truth that they're not simple at all. One thing about it is Jesus in the conversation, in the context of the conversation, is telling the woman that, that, that worship is not about us getting the form and the ritual down just right so that God has to respond to us. Because her question is, are we supposed to do what the Samaritans say and worship on the right mountaintop? Or are we supposed to do what you say, you and your people, and worship at the temple in the right city? And Jesus says, there's a day coming where those sort of things are not going to matter. But what's the kind of, and by the way, In spirit and in truth is not just about getting it right. That's the kind of worship that God goes looking for. It's the kind of worship that God seeks. He's putting the spirit and truth out there. He's giving the spirit. He's sending the truth. Why? So that more people can participate in it. Just like those broadcasters in World War II. Just like the broadcasters even now. Many of them missionaries who are broadcasting the truth so that people who won't have any other chance can hear that truth. Likewise, when we assemble, there is that broadcast and that transmission of the truth. To a people who need it. Imagine those resistance fighters in enemy occupied territory. Imagine prisoners of war who are captive in an enemy camp. And they had this link to the outside world and it was so precious to them. One POW recorded how challenging it was. One of the first things that they did in their Stalag was they, 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 they committed themselves to making a radio to hear news of the outside world. And the way that they did it was fascinating. In fact, they would even take pages from their Bible because the paper was thin enough and it was made of such a material that they could actually create the components to make a radio. Why would they go to all that effort? Why would they risk so much? Because that would have been, that would have been serious punishment if that had been found. Because the truth was that important. The truth was that precious. They wanted to hear news of the outside world and they gave themselves up to that truth. Now what if we could understand our worship, our going to church with the same passion and the same urgency? I think we begin to realize that this time on the Lord's Day, we need it because we need the truth. Raise your hand. How many of you have been lied to all week? You're like, well, I, I, Yeah. Did you turn on the television, listening to you listening to talk radio? You've been lied to. You've been lied to. Did you catch? Some of you are thinking, I caught the conventions the last two weeks. Yep, you're in the club. You know, and, and not only do we get those simple lies, but we also get lies that come to us in different ways. Where maybe we've heard a word that might even come from within ourselves that says. You're not good enough. You didn't do enough. You're always stupid about this kind of stuff. You don't know what you're talking about. People are thinking the worst of you. And some of those things, none of those things are true. But those words get lodged in our spirit and in our soul, and we need to hear a truth. We need to hear a truth about, that starts with the fact that God made us. God loved us. He made us in His image. And then the truth starts to pour into us. When we hear that truth, we keep up the resistance. We keep up the resistance against the evil one who wants to keep us on the sidelines, the evil one who wants to keep us accused, the evil one who wants to make us hate and despise others or ourselves. We need this. We need this as much as those captives needed that radio that tuned them into the outside world. We need this transmission from our heavenly destination. And we need one another. You know, we focus on that a lot in worship. And when we gather together, we ought to draw strength from one another. And by the way, we need to be intentional about that. When you come to worship, I'm going to tell you this secret. Nobody else, I don't know, is going to tell you this or not. You're going to have some Sundays when you get here, and guess what? It's not going to be good for you. You're going to say, boy, that was a waste of time. And there's going to be Sundays where prepare yourself. My sermon's just not going to be fantastic, okay? I know. I know it's hard to believe, but, you know, I don't know. But what you may not know is your very presence here has encouraged someone, and you may not even know that. And, and in fact, I've found that one of the things I do is if, if I realize that I've been sent to this worship, I come to this worship, and my objective is to encourage someone else. I find that worship does matter when you think like that. I find that you do get something out of it and then you stop worrying about what you get out of it and you worry about what's going on and you focus on one another. But there's more than that even. This is not the last point. This is not the best point. Not only do we encourage one another and build one another up, but we're listening in to our allies. We are in communion. When we came around this table, we're not only in communion with one another, but we're in communion with God. And it's not accidental that communion and communication are similar words. We are participating in a reality much bigger than us. And everyone that you've ever known, whether they're alive or whether they're deceased, everyone who will, ev- who will ever live that is connected To our rightful king, who is our brother and sister in Christ, they're in communion with us as well. As the preacher in the book of Hebrews says, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. That's what we need. Just It's even more precious than that truth and that connection that those resistance forces had when they gathered around their homemade illegal radios and they're desperate to hear the news. But I want you to imagine with me just a second. Imagine that group, huddled in secret. They've tuned in this little radio. A little scratchy voice is coming out of the homemade speaker. They're getting a, a shortwave broadcast from far away, and it's telling them the truth about the movements in the war, about the progress in the war, and they're ready. They're ready to throw themselves into it. But then for some reason, there's some people there who seem oddly critical. Someone's in the group saying, you know, I don't like this new broadcaster. No. I don't like his accent. That's what it is. He's got the wrong accent someone's in that group going, is that a woman reading the news? I don't know. Can we have, Is that should that be happening? Someone's sitting there looking at others saying, you know, I don't like the way that Otto sits over there and cups his ear and listens in. What a show off. I know. I know. Someone's saying, I don't like that intro music that they start off with and I wish that the speaker would quit speaking in code. Why doesn't he just say what he means? Wish they'd quit changing the frequency all the time. Bouncing around the dial. You never know where they're going to show up. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? It seems ridiculous, and you understand that. Because these people are anxious to hear what's there. They're anxious to get what's there. And if that's ridiculous, then isn't it ridiculous that we are both oddly critical, but at the same time distracted? I mean, how much sense does it make for them to be sitting there daydreaming during the broadcast? We're going to give you news of what's coming your way. We're going to give you orders so that you can defeat the enemy. And someone's sitting there thinking about, let's see, what do I got to get at the store today? Meanwhile, another person's over there going back to the Pokestop because it's been five minutes and they want to get their their downloads. It's okay. There's Pokestop right out here. You're saying that is ridiculous because they didn't have Pokemon Go back then. That's not the point. Understand the point. I mean, we need to understand what is happening. I'm going to tell you right now, worship, every worship needs to include change. There needs to be change in every worship. Worship, every worship should be changing. The change that needs to happen is us. In worship, what ought to change the most is us. When those people gathered to listen to those illegal transmissions, those secret transmissions, they were investing themselves in the truth that was going to be broadcast. Because they knew that the word could come to them and it would say, you are going to be victorious. And they knew the good that was coming. Or they also knew that there could be bad news and they would have to respond and they would have to get ready and they would have to continue the fight even though it was going to be difficult. But they invested themselves in that. Don't you know that when you and I come and we put ourselves, we place ourselves before God's truth, we may not end up the same. We might have to change. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Because if we're really invested in in what we're singing to one another, in what we're preaching, in what we're reading in God's Word, in what we're praying to our King, in what we're Symbolizing as we gather around the communion, then I don't know how we can just walk in and walk out like we're just going to the 7 Eleven to pick up a gallon of milk. How can that be that simple? It's biblical. Hebrews 10 has often been used as kind of a proof text to say, this is why you got to go to church every Sunday. I don't want it to be that. I want you to see the inspiration. I want you to see the heart there. Look at what's being said. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. How do you do that? You recognize that the Lord always keeps his word. So let's see how inventive we can be that's change. Being inventive, being creative is change. That means that we're thinking about ways. We're, we're dreaming up ways to do what? To encourage love. As we put on that banner right over there, to excite one another to love and good deeds. We're not avoiding worshiping together. We're not avoiding the meeting. Not like some do. Because we're going to get together and we're going to spur one another on. Why? Because we have this hope about the big day approaching. That is why some of our brothers and sisters even now are gathering in secret because they know that in the last week some of their own have fallen away. Maybe the pressure's too much. Maybe maybe they've been caught by the authorities but they have to come together to hold firmly to the promises that keep us going but you know what? The same thing might be happening with us. As you look around you right now, there might be someone that you haven't seen in a while. It may be that you need that word of encouragement. Well, that's why we're here. And if we're not delivering on that, and I don't mean we as in some authoritative staff position like us. or the, I'm talking about all of us. All of us need to be spurring one another on to encourage one another. That's why we sing. That's why we encourage one another. That's why we greet one another. And by the way, as as, as wonderful and as friendly as our conversations may be, let's never avoid the, the opportunity to be serious if we need to and say, How can I encourage you? Or if we're talking about someone we haven't seen, how can we go and encourage them? Because the truth, listening into the truth that comes from our heavenly allies, might be the word that someone needs. To have hope like never before. It can happen. It can happen. There's a story about a professor Munro Ewan Macdonald. During World War II, he was a um, he was a paratrooper, and he and another uh, soldier, British soldier, had to bail out of their airplane, and they landed behind German lines. They were captured. McDonald was put in the camp with the Americans and the other soldier in the camp with the British prisoners. MacDonald was put there because later on he had some background in, uh, in religion and later on he would become a professor in Edinburgh of divinity and religion. But MacDonald was made the chaplain for the American group that was captured there. He found out that the Americans had something that they called the Canary. And the canary was that little homemade radio that they could listen in to the truth. And so every time that they would get news, they would send their chaplain, Professor McDonald, to go over to the barbed wire fence, the thick fence that separated the American and British camp. And he would find his friend that he was captured with, and the thing is, both of them being from Scotland, they could speak Gaelic, and the Germans didn't understand that. So they would sit there and they would talk in Gaelic, sharing a language that only they knew. But Professor McDonald was sharing news that was forbidden to the other prisoners. And then one day on the radio, the Americans got the message, Germany surrendered. Not even the German that ran that camp knew this message. So MacDonald went out to talk to his friend in Gaelic, shared the news in Gaelic. He shared the, friend with the news with the rest of the Brits. There was an uproar. There was a cheer. There was an incredible hope, but they knew that even though they were liberated, they were not liberated in fact. It was going to be about two or three days before the forces would come and the German surrender would be known. So they had to still live like prisoners, but they didn't act like prisoners. The story is told that When the prisoners knew this truth, it changed them. The Germans didn't understand it. The guards didn't understand it. They hadn't heard the news. But now the men were there. They were singing. They were happy. They joked with guards. They would go up to the guard dogs and they would laugh at them. Three days later, the guards heard of the surrender and they fled. But they left the gates unlocked and the prisoners walked out of the camp quietly that morning. Some people say they walked out of the camp that day, but they were set free days before. You and I have heard a message that sets us free. Are we going to walk in that message? If the Lord gives it to us, I'll see you next week for the gathering around the secret wireless. But in the meantime, let's embrace this truth. And if any here need to be changed by the word that you've heard today. Don't resist that. Resist the dark one and embrace the truth. Let's stand. Let's sing together. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through.